The content of this recording is copyrighted by Sandler Systems, LLC. All rights reserved. This is the Building Blocks of Success with Glenn Matson. Let me just spend some time talking about attitude and really the core fundamental of taking a look at the black wolf and the white wolf, which really represents the fact of you're going to have different parts of your psyche. You're going to have things that are trying to convince you to not do things. And there's going to be certain parts of your brain that are going to tell you to do things. And what we have to learn is, is how to understand and manage and control those voices inside of our head. So let's take a look at some of the stepping stones, the building blocks of successful mindset. The first one I want to share with you is, is desire. Desire is, is really having that passion, right? That unyielding burning in your belly that's going to get you up to do the things that you need to do when you need to do them, regardless if you want to, right? So, so desire is that ability to really go after and be successfully going after what you consider your goals. It's interesting. Statistics will tell you that 80% of the people walking planet earth don't have any goals. They get up, they go to work, they do what they need to at work. They come home if they want to, they play with the kids, they have them, family, mow the lawn, sporting events, watch some TV, go for a walk. And they repeat. 16% of the people walking planet earth they have goals, they have things they want to do, but in their head, they think about them, then write them down. Sometimes it's daydreams, but mostly it's the same things in their head. But then you have 4%, really less than 4%, actually write their goals down. Um, some of those people write them down specifically what they want. Sometimes they have a plan, but rarely it's just more of they have a goals and what they have to do to get there really less than 1%. 1% actually have goals, have them written down. They review them, they share them, and they adjust them. Less than 1%. Staggering in its own right. 80% of the people have zero goals. 16% have an idea. Less than 4% actually write them down. Staggering. How do you ever know if you're on track or not on track or what you want to do? If you don't? Anyways, so the thing that's pretty impressive I like is that the individuals who have goals, that 1%, they out-earn over their lifetime the individuals who don't have any goals by nine times. It's not a little bit. It's a staggering amount. Nine times. Goals give you the ability to understand how to make better decisions. Goals help you understand what you should be doing and when you should be doing it. Goals help you understand that when you get knocked down, why you're getting back up. Goals. These are the things that you want to fight for. What's your desire? What are you fighting for? What motivates you? What are the things that you're trying to accomplish by becoming successful? And by the way, it's 100% okay to be super, super selfish. You got to understand what motivates you. Is it rewards or incentives? Is it things that maybe are at work that you'd love to achieve? So maybe you're achievement-based? Nothing wrong with that. Maybe it's social factors. Maybe you want to be part of that group. 
Maybe you don't want to be part of that group. Social factors are big motivating factors. We have a fear of consequences, fear of embarrassment, fear of not accomplishing it, fear of letting other people down, fear of letting yourself down. Maybe it's power. Maybe you're just sick and tired of being not in control. You're sick and tired of not having enough. Maybe you're sick and tired of not having enough money. Maybe you're sick and tired and you want control, power of yourself, of your decisions. Maybe what motivates you is growth. Growth motivation is the core fundamental that drives the most successful people. No matter how good they are, no matter how much success they may get, they always ask themselves, how do I get a little better? I can do that in this time period. How do I do a little better than that? Individual with growth motivation aren't necessarily motivated by external things. Sure, they got a lot of toys, don't get me wrong, but it's not about the external. They have enough of that. What really motivates them is the journey. What motivates them is the fact of how good can I be, not others. I'm not judging myself against others, about me. So, do you get motivated by the rewards and incentives? Are you motivated by social things? Do you want to be driving a certain car, living in a certain neighborhood, having a certain zip code, wearing a certain watch, going on certain vacations so people can see you on social media? What motivates you? What are the things that are going to create the desire that you're going to need to do the things that you're going to need to do to become successful? When you get knocked down, what's going to get you back up? When you have doubt, what's going to help you push through that? There are going to be trials and tribulations in your pursuit of your building blocks of success. So ask yourself, why are you doing this? What are you ultimately trying to achieve? And it's okay, again, to be selfish. Is it something as easy as a, I want a car? Is it something that you may say is I don't want? So some people, when they look at motivation, We'll look at other words, words like, I want more of, I want more time with the family. I want more freedom. I want more money so I can have more freedom. I want more savings. I want better. What's better mean? So when you look at motivation, is it better? Is it more? Is it different? Do you want a different lifestyle than you did when you were younger? Do you want to have your children have less stress about different things that you had when you were younger? Are the things that you want to stop or start? Motivation is a fickle thing. You need to understand what's your internal clock, what's your motivation. There's times that, honestly, I'll be motivated to go out and run and get in shape because I don't want to embarrass myself out on the field. But once I get in shape, it's not the embarrassment that motivates me anymore. It's about dominating about being the best defenseman. It's about making sure I can be a highly effective team member. So our motivation changes, but we have to understand that with motivation, because motivation can tip and motivation can change, but we need to understand it. So maybe for you, is it money? Is it materialistic goods? Is it freedom? Is it no more fear? Is it to be better than what other people thought you're going to be? Is it for you? Maybe you're motivated for others. Maybe you want to show your spouse, your significant other, your children, that you can be more than what maybe others thought, or maybe even what others thought when you were younger. 
So are you motivated for you? Are you motivated for others? Maybe, and this is true, maybe what motivates you is showing those that are waiting for you to fail that you can make it because there are going to be people waiting for you to fail. So having that desire is literally vitally important. The desire of where you want to be in three, five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years, 15 years. What does that vision look like? That's the first building block of success is understanding what motivates you. And by the way, it could be something as easy as I want to be out of this part of my life. I want to move out of this. I want to move out of the city. I want to move out of this house. I want to move over there. I want to get to that piece of the job I want. It's okay to say I want, but is it strong enough to convert it to, I will do what's necessary to get it. And that's an important conversion. So goals aren't just dreams. Dreams are things that you will want to have in life. Goals are things that you will have in life. So when you take a look at it, because of course, your goals originate from your dreams, but we have to have the passion to do what's necessary to get it. That's what converts dreams into goals. The timetables, they have plans, they have action steps, checkpoints. That's a goal. So what's your desire? What's your passion to achieve your goals? The next building block we have to talk about is commitment. Now, commitment, unfortunately, in many companies, many agencies, many, many, many practices, commitment is the Achilles heel. See, commitment is not necessarily thinking of a good game, talking the good game. Commitment is actually doing what the plan calls for consistently. Commitment is doing what's needed to fulfill the plan. Commitment is action, not words. So when we talk about commitment, commitment is the second building block of success. And commitment means, are you willing to do what's necessary? Are you willing to do what your plan calls for? Of course, I'm talking about legally, morally, and ethically, but are you willing to do whatever it takes? Are you committed or not? Individuals that want to be successful, but aren't willing to pay the ferryman have limited commitment. Limited commitment is the reasons that things don't get done. Limited commitment is the gap between their plans and execution. Limited commitment, I didn't have enough time. I didn't hear my alarm. I didn't realize the budget stopped. I didn't realize their players changed. Limited commitment people will say things like, yeah, but, yeah, I want to lose weight as long as I don't have to. I come on, you can't get on to second base with your foot still on first. You can't do it. Either you're all in or you're not. That's the issue about commitment. When people make plans, they don't have a tendency to be fully committed to what the plan calls for. And then they deal with the rippling effects afterwards. It's ridiculous. So we take a look at commitment. You've heard me say this before. It's one of my favorite sayings. It's IPDE. Identify what you want. Put a plan together to get it. And then you got to make a decision. And that decision is, are you going to do the plan? You don't say, we'll see. You don't say, well, let's figure it out later. Kind of. It's a yes or a no answer. <laughs> That's all it is. After you put a plan together, are you willing to do what the plan says at the level of energy and effort the plan calls for? Yes or no? the answer is no, then change the plan. If the answer is yes, then let's get to it. That's execution, I-P-D-E. 
So when you're taking a look at commitment, we have to make sure that you truly buy into what the plan is. And if you do, then stop it, lean into it, let's get going. So ask yourself, are you willing to do what's necessary to achieve your goals? How committed are you to this? Are you kind of committed? Because you're going to kind of get there. Are you fully committed or not? So the second building block is commitment. Be shocked on how many people have goals. Look, 87% of all goals are gone by February. There's no commitment to them. You know, successful people find younger individuals that are becoming more successful. You know what they admire about it? They admire their commitment. They admire that they are leaning into it. They admire that they are paying the ferryman to become successful. That's why mentors have a tendency to look out for and find younger individuals that they want to mentor. It's like them. They lean into it. The third building block I want to get into real quick, in addition to commitment and desire, right? You got to have both. The next one is really two parts. It's about excuses and it's about owning your lifeline. This is called the successful mindset. The successful mindset is the third building block of success. And it really means is, is that your mind around and your beliefs around responsibility, accountability, and ownership follows these rules. All problems I have, all sales problems, all management problems, all personnel problems, all work problems, all relationship problems, all problems I have follow these two rules. Number one, I did or I said something I was not supposed to. I did or I said something I was not supposed to. The second rule is I didn't do or I didn't say something I was supposed to. If you look at any problem that you have, pretty much any area that you have in your life, follow these two simple rules. I did, or I said something I was not supposed to. I didn't do, or I didn't say something I was supposed to. Take a look at that and let it sink in for a moment. We must take responsibility for everything that we're about to do. We have to own every decision that we make. And because of those decisions, there's rippling effects. Ownership is raising your hand in the midst of it, saying, it's me, I own this. Accountability is after the fact. Responsibility is before, ownership is during, and accountability is after. So let's take a look at where do you fit in that spectrum? If something occurs that wasn't planned, do you own it? If the outcome wasn't what you were hoping for, do you own up to it? Do you hold yourself accountable? When the rippling effect occurs, it's not what everyone was expecting. Do you raise your hand and do you own it? Or do you point fingers? We have to take a look at the mindset of excuse making. Individuals who point blame, individuals who say it's not me, individuals who live by these type of muddles. Muddles is a, is a negative belief in your head. Only if, what if, if only. Only if I had better leads. If only the economy wasn't hitting us. What if I had more territory? These are muddles. These belief systems pass the responsibility 
of fixing the situation because they're passing the responsibility of why they're there. It doesn't make a difference of what got you there in some respects. You got to lean into it, own it, and fix it and move on. People will blame outside forces by not taking responsibility. They also shed the responsibility of addressing and fixing it. You really have to start listening to how you sound. You're never going to have the capacity to fix anyone on your team or anyone that you associate with. If you're an excuse maker, you must fix yourself on making excuses. Just listen to how often you make them. Listen to how often you find yourself edging, betting in the gray area, just in case it doesn't happen. Listen, I'll do the best I can to get there on time. What are we doing? Make a commitment and stick to it. We've trained ourselves not to be committed sometimes. Eradicate these words. Listen for them in your head. Start to own and be responsible for every decision that you make. It's critical for beliefs. Second one about responsibility I want to share with you, what I call living the lifeline. Living the lifeline is really about this visual that you can put maybe in your head. And the, the, the visual is really about taking a look at, from a standpoint, that we have these beliefs. These beliefs create filters, which these filters then impact decisions. The decisions then impact our outcomes and results. So if you can, think about maybe at 12, 12 o'clock on a watch is your attitudes and your beliefs. And maybe right around three o'clock is decisions or filters that you have. Six o'clock is the decisions that you're going to make because of those filters. And really right around eight o'clock is the results that are going to happen because of those decisions. And lastly, are your outcomes. And those are going to show up right around 10, 30, 11. And a lot of times those outcomes refuel your attitudes to strengthen your decisions again to make the same decisions you made previously, those filters. So for instance, if your belief is you're not very good in math, your decision is, is that your filter is, look, I'm not great at math, so is it really going to make a difference if I study? So therefore, your decision is not to study as much as you should. So the result is you don't do very well in the class. So therefore, the outcome is you get a bad grade. So when your parents ask you what happened, you said, look, I told you I wasn't very good in math. So all of a sudden, that outcome reinforces the negative belief. It's called an iism happens all the time. Now, when we look at this wheel, the reason I'm bringing it up is that living in the lifeline means that we own, we have to own our beliefs. We have to own the fact that we choose to act or not. We choose to say or not say. We have to own our decisions. And therefore, if we own our decisions, the results of our decisions are ours. And so are the outcomes. If you choose not to prospect, you will not have a lot of appointments. If you don't have a lot of appointments, you're not going to make any money if you're in a commissionable job. So you can't complain about not making any money. You can't complain about not having a lot of appointments. If your job is to make the phone calls or get referrals and you choose not to do it, you have to understand and live and own all the ripples that happen because of it. You can't 
make excuses on why your results or your outcomes are occurring. Living the lifeline means that you own everything decision that you make. You decide to go home early, that's your decision, but you can't complain about the outcome later. If you make a decision not to push yourself, get outside your comfort zone and fail so you can learn from that, that's your decision because you're embarrassed to practice, we realize your results are not going to be as good as they should be. You can't complain about those things. It was a choice you made. So look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, am I actually making the right decisions to help me get to where I want to go? Because your beliefs are productive and non-productive. We have to identify the non-productive beliefs that are creating the wrong decisions inside of you. Every day that you make the right decision, you're fueling and feeding the new script and getting rid of the old scripts that are not helpful anymore. This is not an all or nothing. It's a constant battle. And as that battle starts to become less and less of a fight, you now have a new habit and a new script. How many of us, a simple script as a young child, don't talk to strangers? Then we get into sales. And what do we do? the very beginning of resistance of sales. We have to go talk to strangers. So these beliefs are there for a reason. What we have to do is make sure these beliefs are not impacting us negatively anymore. So living the lifeline is really about owning the decisions that you have, owning the results that occur because of it, and making sure that the results and outcomes by ownership gives you the availability of having lessons. That's why one of the key things that I've said, and I'll say it again and again and again, every day when you go home, when you're traveling home, when you're walking out of one room to another, if that's leaving your office to go to the house, you have to ask yourself this, give yourself time to sit down, give yourself time to reflect, give yourself time to answer the simple question. What did I learn today? What could I have done better? I've done differently. What could I do more of? What do I have to stop doing and what do I have to start doing? The greatest things that you can do to maintain and grow your attitude successfully is learn lessons. And every day you have lessons, you gain knowledge and experience and you learn. And learning is the building block of success. So when we look at successful mindset, got to have a capacity to own everything that you do or you didn't do. And if you didn't do it, own it. Take responsibility for your decisions and the outcomes of such. That will give you more strength internally. Also, you're going to start to respect yourself a little more. The last one I want to share with you today in this building block series is Outlook. Outlook is pretty intense, and Outlook has to deal with ourselves, our marketplace, and our self-esteem. Let's talk about that next time. This is the Building Blocks of Success with Glenn Matson. 